Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. This is the Jazz Cavern, and you're listening to Frank Griffith. Jazz Cavern is a monthly program on LCR and um, is uh, broadcast several times a week. And those times are Tuesdays at 2 a.m. and 3 p.m., Thursdays at 8 a.m., Fridays at 2 a.m. and 4 p.m. So if you're unable to uh, check it out, um, please do uh, catch up on those times on the LCR. And uh, you can do that um, by looking at our website which is www.l-c-r.co.uk worldwideweb.l-c-r.co.uk Listening to a bit of Tom Scott and singer Patti Smith with a bit of a um, classic by the great Bobby Bobby Gentry, of course, um, singer-songwriter that was quite big in the sort of late 60s and early 70s. Kind of a nice groove there, isn't it? For you tennis fans out there, Patti Smith is the wife of of John McEnroe. Very familiar face on the Wimbledon screens in June of each year. And um, got a special guest today. His name is Nick Branton. And Nick is um, Liverpudlian, born and bred in Crosby. And he's a very talented um, saxophonist clarinetist, plays a bit of trumpet, he's quite versatile, and he plays in a couple of bands, well, several bands, but two of the most well-known to me are um, a group called the Tune Steppers, and another group he plays in is a five-piece group called the Jubilee Stompers, and both of which I, as a saxophonist and clarinetist, get the opportunity to deputize with occasionally. So that's pretty cool. I'm uh, myself, Frank Griffith, uh, Liverpool resident. Not actually from Liverpool, as you could probably detect. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, which is about 6,000 miles from Liverpool. Just down the road, really. Takes you longer to get to the to London on the M6, doesn't it? As I said, I'm a saxophonist, clarinetist, and composer arranger. Play frequently in Liverpool and the Northwest. I'm also an educator. 
and direct the Penny Lane Jazz Workshop, which meets weekly at the Elm Hall Methodist Church in leafy Mossley Hill. Elm Hall Drive, L18 1LF. It meets on Thursdays at 7 to 9 p.m. And you can log into our Facebook page, which is just called Penny Lane Jazz Band, if you want to see what we're up to and learn more about us. And um, we also play frequently in the um, sort of um, Waver Tree area. Most recently at the Handyman Pub on Smithdown Road. We play there for some other similar venue about once a month. So we're going to listen to a little bit of, um, as we fade out Tom Scott, little, uh, I should say little, uh, Wayne Shorter, who, um, is, if you listen to our jazz um, cavern last month, we paid tribute to the great Wayne Shorter, who died, um, I believe, uh, about a month ago, and he was 89, uh, extremely successful, long career as a leader and composer, and played with uh, Art Blakey, the Jazz Messengers, and Miles Davis, and all sorts of extremely well-known and highly respected um, jazz artist. This is a piece we're going to play now, entitled Nubian Sundance, and it was recorded by Weather Report, the group that he co-led with um, um, Joe Zalno, Nubian Sundance.
That was um, Weather Report, and that was a composition by Joe Zawinul, co-leader of Weather Report with Wayne Shorter, and that was uh, titled Young and Fine, and now we're listening to um, the sort of faint strains of another composition from Weather Report called um, Orange Lady, and we're doing that while we tell you all information of, of what's happening in Liverpool before my guest Nick Branton emerges and this um, this week we have a lot of good jazz on in um, in Liverpool this week meaning the week of the um, uh, well sort of um, 3rd of April and uh, my group, the Frank Griffith Nonette, will be playing at Frederick's Bar, which is uh, located on Hope Street, L1. And uh, on that, um, it'll be the Wednesday. It'll be tomorrow, the fifth of Wednesday, uh, the fifth of April, and that'll be um, nine-piece band, as Nonette dictates. And uh, Frederick's Bar, for those of you that don't know it it's located um at 32 hope street liverpool l19 bx and you'll be happy to know that it's free admission for um for a nine-piece band so it's not too bad is it also to mention um a, a gig at the end of this month which is the 30th of um, april it's on a sunday afternoon at the Wigan Jazz, which is uh, up in Wigan, surprisingly. And the um, particular group that's playing is quite a special one in as much as um, it's uh, a wonderful pianist called Les Chisnell. And along with him will be a trumpeter called... Richard Isles, a wonderful uh, group to, to check out. And uh, Welly, I should say, Wigan Jazz is located at Welly X Servicemen's Club, Vauxhall Road, Wigan, WN13LU, and that's 12.30 p.m. in the afternoon. So it's a daytime kind of thing and uh, quite a um, great... Um, uh, organization run by Ian Darrington, a trumpeter, and All Things Music in Wigan, who, like many of the um, people f- uh, featured on our music program uh, here in our in our um, program of tracks, is a former guest of the show. I think Ian was with us in July of last year, so July 22, and that should be pretty good stuff so do go out and support um, live music um, in addition there's a club that we often mention here in uh, Liverpool called Ma Boyles Ma Boyles is um, a bar that's been there for hundreds of years I, I, I expect and uh, their lineup this month 
in um, in April include uh, next week, or I should say this week, on the 8th of, um, of April is Dean Masser, saxophonist. And the following week is the 15th of um, April, and that will include uh, uh, pianist and singer Rob Stringer and his group. Um, I'll just mention where it is. Ma Boyle's Seven Tower Gardens, The Strand, L31LG, and they have jazz every Saturday night at 8.30 p.m., and it's also free of admission so that should be a, a good a good thing to go along to, and I'll mention one more gig, um, which is on Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's my trio, and we'll be playing at the Nantwich Jazz and Blues Festival, which of course is not Liverpool, but it's not that far away. It's an annual event in Nantwich, and it um, sort of takes over the town. There's loads of venues that have live jazz. Um, and this particular venue is called the Crown Hotel, which is a pub hotel. Uh, I don't have the uh, website to hand or the address, but I'm sure if you just Google Nantwich Jazz and Blues Festival, you can find out more. And we'll be playing um, from 3 to 5 p.m. on the Sunday, the 9th, which is Easter Sunday, of course. And uh, the group will include myself as well as Pianist Misha Gray, who's a very um, well-known and highly respected pianist who, who lives here in the world. Uh, I should say he lives in the world, but he, he's been on the Liverpool scene for many, many years. And the um, bass player is a guy called John Santim. So that should be a, a good, um, good sound for you to come along to if you're uh, compelled to go along. We're going to now move to a uh, track from my nonette, which will give you an idea of what to sort of what to expect um, at the uh, Fredericks Club on Wednesday. It's a very well-known jazz composition by Art Blakey. Uh, it's, it's actually was recorded by Art Blakey, but it was written by his pianist um, uh, Bobby Timmons, and it's my arrangement of this classic title of which is Monin.
I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some swing a little fellas and I'm going to get me one. I'm going to pack my clothes, leave at the crack of dawn.
Yeah, sweet. That was um, Mel Torme, The Velvet Fog, a name he hated. But there you go. Once you got a name, you're stuffed. I actually worked with Mel Torme once. And um, it was not long before he died. He died um, sort of before time. I think he was around 70 years old in about 96. Or maybe a bit later. Anyway, uh, it was a gig in uh, Queens, New York, in, in New York City. And he, uh, let's just say he had a fairly healthy ego, to put it mildly. But that's child stars for you, you know? And um, he, uh, we did two shows, one of which was about 2, 2 p.m. And the second, which was about 7. So we had a little break between the two shows. And he was um, kind of walking around the dressing room, whatever, mingling with the lads as you do and he just kind of asked a general question and said uh <clears throat> said um what time's the next show and i was standing near him says uh seven it's it's it's, it's at seven and he <laughs> made a mock kind of expression of shock and said um wow i thought lincoln freed the slaves <laughs> Maybe shouldn't say that these days. Anyway, uh, and we did two shows, and he was great. He played everything. He sang, played the piano, played the drums, played the vibes, wrote a few of the arrangements. Just an amazing talent. And before that, we heard Peggy Lee, the great Peggy Lee, and that was um, uh, Kansas City, very famous uh, sort of blues tune. And Peggy Lee was was the best. She was amazing. So, uh, we're going to mention now a few gigs coming up in the Liverpool area. And I'm happy to welcome my guest, Nick. Do you want to say hello, Nick? Hello. Just move the mic a little bit down. That's Nick Branton there for, for you folks, my <laughs> guest. And Nick, while we're mentioning gigs, why don't you just quickly tell us about your gig this week uh, and possibly upcoming gigs but certainly start with the one at the, the um, head, uh, Casimir the Casimir Garden on Seal Street uh -huh. uh, play with a swing trio good we like that um, seven till nine every Sunday good and can you tell us who's in the group uh, yeah we've got um, Andrew Hume on the guitar wonderful guitar yeah isn't it? it's amazing playing his seven string guitar oh can't put anything past him, can you? <laughs> and then we've got Lucy Mercer, who's right. on drums and vocals. Great. And then myself, uh, Clarence. And that's seven? 
seven till nine. Yeah, free every, admissions. Every Sunday, free and yeah. And what's it like? Is it kind of warming up down? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they've got really good heaters now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a perfect time to have jazz outdoors now, and it's it's heat it's heated. Yeah, it's a heated yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's venue. Starting to get busy again now. Oh, good, good. good. Yeah, Seal Street uh, near to the. Um, well, it's actually near to BBC Studios, isn't it? And is it kind of not too far from Bolt Street? Yes. Yeah, yeah that area. Yeah. Casimir, yeah. I've got it written down here, actually. Um, yeah. 32 Seal Street, L14BE. And um, so they've had jazz there. Well, they had it before the lockdown, didn't they? We've been doing, yeah, good big for a while. Yeah, it's a nice, nice venue. Great. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Um, just to mention to our listeners some other venues that have jazz this month uh, and regularly. Um, the, uh, yeah, uh, the um, Penn Factory. Wow, that's tomorrow as well. Every first Wednesday of the month is the Penn Factory Jazz with David Fischel and his crew. They have jazz every Thursday as well. Okay, thank you. From 6 till 8. Right. Is that our good friend Alex? Alex McDowell and and Pablo. We're going to mention Alex later because he plays in uh, one of the other groups you play with, the uh, Jubilee Stompers. And Alex is just amazing, isn't he? Mm. He can play any style. Yeah. And uh, that's every Thursday. Is it every Thursday? Every Thursday. It's not just the first one. Okay. No, no, every Thursday. Six, six to eight, eight Pen eight. Factory. Thank you. And they have chess as well, <sighs> if you're into that. Yeah. Um, I understand that venue had a checkered career. Sorry, joke. Uh, yeah, don't laugh. Don't laugh, Nick. It'll just encourage me. The Pen Factory, 13 Hope Street, Liverpool, L19BQ. Uh, as I say, f- first Wednesday, which is tomorrow. And that's about 8.30, I think. And it, the great thing about the venue is that, um, like so many venues, is uh, free admission. Uh, attracts a lot of younger people, which is always nice for jazz, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> um, and, of course, they have a, a jam session. It's not really a jam session, but they have people that play, sit in on the second set. <laughs> well, you know, it's not like an out-and-out uh, mad um Free-for-all, you know, like some of these places. Don't you um, occasionally open up the uh, stage at the um, at the gardens as well? Slightly? I've seen you've been there a couple times when it got a bit Yeah, I think you, you've, nutty. you've kind of sat in. Yeah, I kind of – well, I think I did the gig, but I also sat oh, in. Oh, yeah, and then maybe I sat I, I've, I've sat in there, yeah. both, both, yeah, played there a few times. Uh, and um, so the Pen Factory and then it's um, – Nick just said, every Thursday, 6 to 8, Alex McDowell on guitar, and is it Pablo? Mm-hmm. Pablo, um, don't ask me to pronounce it. Can you, can you say I it? I just mumble it. You, you said it well, Sonalian, um, who's a wonderful bassist. So that's, that's one to keep your um, ears and eyes out for. Um, everyone, well, a lot of jazz people know about Keith's on Lark Lane because uh, they've had jazz there for Decades, haven't they? Every Wednesday, led by the Tony Tony Pierce Trio. <laughs> Tony is a trumpet player, uh, flugelhorn and trumpet, and uh, he's joined by um, the, the guitarist Tony Omisher, who's one of the greatest guitarists ever. 
Uh, he's a great player, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a super player. Uh, and then we've got he. He's joined by um, a bass player called Harry Harrison. I like to call him Harry. Hugo. Hugo Harry Harrison, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, some say Hugo. Some say Harry. But he's just super player, and it's a great set. It's uh, about eight thirty, I think, every Wednesday. So go along to um, Keith's on one hundred seven Lark Lane, L seventeen. Eight U R, and uh, for those of you that like big bands, there's one that plays every Wednesday in um, uh, in the world. A place called British Legion Club, and it's the legendary Freddie Smith Big Band, and they play every Wednesday um, at the British Legion Club in uh, Bebbington. Uh, if you're taking notes. 289 Teehee Lane, Higher Bebbington. Oh, Higher Bebbington. That must be like the posh bit, yeah? Uh, CH68QS. Teehee Lane. That's good, isn't it? Teehee. You could call it Laughing Lane, I suppose. Um, and uh, now, Nicholas, please remind me, because I just got it staring at me. The taf- Cafe Tabac is no longer doing jazz. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear that. That yeah. was Thursdays, wasn't it? That was Thursdays. That was yeah. a nice one. It's on Bolt it Street. Was a great gig, yeah. If you happen to be going down Bolt Street, pop in and, and give them a, a piece of your mind. Say, listen, you've got to have uh, <laughs> Nick and, uh, and, uh, and the uh, Tune Steppers back. Uh, and there's jazz, um, well, once a month, really, at the Richmond Tavern, which is in um, Wavertree. And I play there with a group called Penny Lane Jazz every first Sunday of the month. But the first Sunday of, month of this month has uh, evaporated. So you have to wait till uh, next month, the 7th of May. Uh, jazz there on um, uh, 7, 7 o'clock every, every first Sunday of the month. And let me just get one more in here. Oh, uh, we're, we're um, bubbling along. There's a, uh, a cat. We mentioned the Casimir. Garden. Oh, can you uh, uh, advise us about um, the gin distillery? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't even know your own gigs, uh, man. You you got too many of them, pal. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We play there again with the uh, the Tune Steppers trio. Good. That trio with Lucy and Andrew. Great. And that's Fridays? Uh, That's every other Friday. Yeah. So this Friday. Oh, good. So you're on this week. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. And that's seven... Seven till nine. Yeah, and that's um, as I understand it, that's uh, um, free as well. And um, yeah, it's going. It's it's still going. Yeah, it's that's still the main going. Thing. Yeah, that's strong. we always like things that are still going. Yeah, because uh, otherwise uh, they're not going, and so um, you can forget about that it happened in the first place, can't you? I'm going to play something a little bit strange, uh, not strange at all, but it's an unusual arrangement of a great jazz uh, tune um, written by um, Jerome Kern. And it's a song that most jazzers know called All the Things You Are. But this is a big band arrangement, I believe, uh, written by the great, 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 great um, Jerry Mulligan. And as we listen to this and perhaps another one, We'll come back and um, launch into our uh, Nick Branton radio uh, (laughs) immediately.
Sweet Louisiana, composed by Sidney Bachet. Nick, that was Nick on alto. Lovely stuff. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that song and who's who's playing? Uh, so that was uh, a band that I'm in called the Jubilee Stompers, um, which has Paraben Lad on the double bass, who's been on this show. Yeah, and La- and as as and was Lucy. Lucy, yeah, who's she a plays drummer. drums, and then Martin Smith on the right. trumpet, and that had Charlie McKeon, who used who used to be in a right. um, playing yep. guitar. We've now sure he went away to America. So but he's back. Updated. He is back, yeah. Thanks. To, <laughs> that's all good for us, isn't it? You and know? he recorded that on uh, a little tape machine. Incredible. Yeah. I remember those. <laughs> and um, that was recorded a year or so ago? or I think it was before Yeah, before pandemic. COVID, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And we, we recorded, I think we just did a few tunes, but yeah, we are it's yet good to do anything with them we might play another track from that recording uh, if we get around to it and um, that was of course uh, Sidney Bachet and, and you said that it wasn't actually recorded yeah apparently so like he never <laughs> actually he? recorded that himself I guess they were so busy recording everything else they just not enough time <laughs> yeah um, there's a few Ellington pieces compositions that never were properly recorded <laughs> so the Ellington anoraks you know get a hold of them and make <laughs> big noise about it which is good because yeah, yeah. there's so many competition right so now Nick you um, started playing um, presumably when you were in your teens or at school or how did that, go, how did that all come around I started playing the saxophone when I was 13 yeah. that's good before that it's I good used age to, yeah okay yeah. good <laughs> well I'm just I saying some people wait a little bit longer you know yeah well, I had music lessons. Like I used to play the tenor horn. Oh, you play brass few, too, don't um, you? Yeah, yeah. A few piano lessons. Sure. But I sort of I stopped doing that, and then found my way to the saxophone. And when did the clarinet enter the fray? Uh, uh, the clarinet <laughs> a lot later on. Oh, that's kind of unusual, isn't it? Yeah. No, yeah. You are, uh, one associates clarinet as being the first instrument and then you kind of graduate to the sax but yeah. it doesn't matter I think maybe when I was around 18 yeah. I sort of dabbled in it but sure. I never really took it seriously until uh, quite a bit later on yeah well maybe 2017 oh right wow so that's quite recent yeah um, and what was your um, experience as a younger player in terms of playing in groups at school or not at school? How how did that kind of um, gestate? I didn't really play much in school. Okay. I played like when I was at school with some friends. Yeah, friend sure. Was really into like he was a bass player. Sure. Very much into Jaco Pastoris. Well done. <laughs> well done. So we used to play a lot of um, more of the funkier side. Of oh stuff. right, yeah. You know did, when we were just trying out. Did you play? Um, a few different saxes at that age, or did you start on one of them? I started on the alto, but then yeah. I soon moved to tenor. Sure, sure. And then yeah. until that was my main horn, until cool. I sort of started focusing mainly on the clarinets. Well, the thing is, um, I think a lot of sax players, um, I'm kind of the same as you. I started when I was about 14, had been playing clarinet for many years before that. But um, my parents, you know, they, my dad, I should say, or parents, whatever, 
they managed to get me a clarinet, a, a, a tenor, which was big thing, you know. Mm. But it wasn't like a super duper one, but it was good enough. Yeah, and I it was a, it's called a King Zephyr, which is kind of oh, like yeah. a medium level student e model. And uh, kings were really big in the, <laughs> in those days, but of course kings are no longer. Are they? I think they're extinct. I mean, you see they're them quite so after now. I would have thought so. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, what I was going to say though is when you're in, you're affected by the needs of the school band or the yeah. school program. Um, that kind of dictates what sax you end up playing. Yeah. If you're playing clarinet, then there's not too much. Dialogue, uh, but of course you could um, get onto the bass clarinet as a youngster as well if they need a bass clarinet for the orchestra or something, which is what I did. But what was it? Um, so if you were playing uh, alto, I mean, if you were a decent alto player, they might want you to play in the band because they need a good alto player for the you know the big band or something. I don't yeah. know. That's kind of what happened with me. But I'm really glad it I don't happened think that way. Had any of that? Okay. I think they had an orchestra for a bit, but sure, but I didn't not really. A, I wasn't. You weren't I part mean, of that outside of conventional yeah, big yeah. band thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was a kid, as you, as you, um, uh, I uh, formed a band. I, I didn't form. I was just in a band. You know, a six piece band, and we played. Um, you know, little extremely low paying gigs and you know, the normal thing. Um, usually for free, mm. you know, at people's parties and stuff. But we we kind of thought of it as a gig. You know, it, it's easy to think that way when you're still living at home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was all um what you were doing. And um uh, now while we're talking about unusual instruments, you're probably the leading unusual woodwind person in the whole of Liverpool. Now, you also own and play the C melody sax. Is that a new acquisition? It's fairly recent, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm still grappling with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, quite... I, I've played with you with it a number of times, and of course I've heard it a few times, but not that much. Yeah. Um, John Dankworth played it in one of his big bands because he said he wanted to be the best at something. <laughs> That was his logic. The other three sax players were masters, you know, and so he thought, well, I'll play C, and that puts me in my own field. Mm. Alto, tenor, and Barry, and C melody. Um, What would you say uh, to uh, the saxeracs out there um, is the biggest challenge on the C melody? Um, Or is there a big challenge? I think, like, intonation, there's a lot of scope. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of leeway. Way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, finding the mouthpiece, <laughs> I guess, for it, because they're oh, all so wow. old. Are, are they not available? I think there's some people that make them, but yeah. you've got to spend money. you got to really shop around. And um, do, you, do you think that's down to the um, the key of the instrument that just makes it not quite fit into the slots? I think well, in terms yeah, of man- maneuvering it and getting a good sound and playing in tune. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't really know that much about it because yeah. it wasn't a big hit, and after about 1925 or something. Yeah, wasn't it? apparently it was like there was a massive craze for them. Okay, but <laughs> then because it was in C, so everyone could just play piano. That makes music it easier. Stuff, but yeah, I think when the big bands took off. Oh, that's when it became less. Yeah. Do you, Do you think that? Um. um 
I mean, presumably, it, it, it's so many instruments seem to be coming back. You know, vinyl came back, and this came back, and that um, that it could possibly, uh, you know, have some kind of resurgence beyond, you know, playing old music or whatever. Maybe there's a few people that play it. Oh, is that right? Like, yeah, um, Scott Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, know, he what, plays what does he not yeah, play? Yeah. Uh, Scott Robinson's an American uh, saxophonist who's He's from Virginia, but he's resident in New York for many, many years. And he's got <laughs> if, if this isn't enough, he plays brass instruments too. He's a phenomenal trumpet player, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, remarkable brass player. And he's got this um, – this would be better to, to say this on television, but <laughs> he plays this instrument that was either invented by him or some close friend called a normophone. Right. He's probably some guy called Norman or something. And what it is is a saxophone mouthpiece, yeah, but it's a brass instrument, and somehow it uh, adapts to the saxophone mouthpiece. It, it's 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 made to work, if that right. makes sense. And it's actually um, it looks like a trombone, but uh, going up and down, vertical trombone as opposed to horizontal, yeah. And there's no slide; it's keys. It's keys <laughs> like a saxophone. I know, I know. And it looks like he's playing a. Uh, immensely anorexic saxophone. It's he's, got no body to it. You quite know. an anorexic. <laughs> oh, incredible! So that's great. So you um, uh, were saying that um, you also play. You've quite a bit of interest in the bass clarinet, haven't you? I'd say that's kind of my main sure focus. Yeah, that and the the normal clarinet. But yeah, particularly. But bass. you you can be um, spotted uh, playing with the. Um, the uh, stompers on bass clarinet occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with them, I have phases. So, but yeah, for, yeah. for, for that band, the clarinet's the, the kind of okay, the mainstay. Sure, just because sure. for the music. That's yeah. kind of why I got the C melody as well. Because yeah, sure. You know, Frankie trombone, all that. But yeah, the bass clarinet is kind of my main focus. And is that uh, through developing, a, a, um, you know, Keith, um, uh interest in it uh, for its. Um, differences say to the clarinet or to the saxophone I suppose so yeah um, just the sound of it yeah it's incredible incredible sound. and it's so flexible I think it is I think a lot of the time it kind of gets pigeonholed you know oh it would primarily do primarily a classical music oh absolutely I guess a lot of the stuff hasn't been there uh, have you uh, listened much. to Eric Dolphy much yeah. on the bass yeah well to be honest he jumped all over starting oh right like, this is a uh, suppose going back just after I left school. Sure. I I had a bass clarinet then actually. Uh -huh. I ended up getting rid of it just because I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't play the clarinet properly then. Right. Not that I do now, but sure. yeah, I didn't focus on it. And then I was really into Aerodolfi. But then since later on getting, you know, focusing mainly on it, I've kind of avoided him just because, Yeah. you know, he is the voice of jazz bass clarinet. How is it? well? He's uh, probably the first one. Uh, there's some incredible ones come along since. Uh, Marty Ehrlich is a wonderful clarinetist and bass clarinetist, um, and um, David Murray. Bob Mincer plays right. a really nice bass. I think it was Bob um, and he that played with Don Grolnick, who's a sadly um, passed away keyboard player, who would hire like four horns. I mean, you know, have a four horn lineup, and one of which one of which 
was probably tenor, but a lot of a lot of bass clarinet mixed in. Mm. And now, um, uh, the it just doesn't seem to be a hugely doubled instrument uh, in the jazz uh, context with clarinet. It's like one or the other, yeah. slightly, maybe. I mean, they can play them, and orchestral players, of course, have to play both, don't yeah, they? Yeah. But you don't find the same. They're so different, I think. Yeah, they, yeah they're different, and like they're both quite tricky. <laughs> yeah. You know, like projecting, yeah. particularly with yeah. the bass clarinet. Especially with them. Is, even if you have a yeah. microphone, it's not yeah, great. Well, I prefer to not use to play acoustically, at all, yeah. it just it distorts the sound yeah know, bass clarinet day, is very subject nice. to um, uh, you know like um, getting swallowed up by the instru- yeah. other instruments so unless it's playing solo yeah but even that like particularly playing like drums and sure bass and guitar yeah heavier like, sounds amps and stuff. but well, it can be done what's it like um, uh, in terms of the different um, kinds of bass clarinets uh, you got the uh normal B flat bass clarinet which goes to a low E then you've got several diff- a few different I think, yeah, ones that the, go like lower for more classical settings okay. they go to a low C kind of like the baritone right low A yeah but I th- yeah I mean I, I've only got I've got limited experience with different horns okay so you pretty much play, play the one the, yeah, yeah low you, you haven't flat, delved into the smaller the, one the uh, the lower ones, and while we're uh, we haven't even even mentioned the baritone sax, mm. tell tell us a little bit about your baritone uh, work. My ba- I used to I had a phase of playing quite a lot of baritone actually. Sure, yeah, I think yeah. When I was kind of getting disillusioned with the tenor, <laughs> fair to say. Um, but the, the, my baritone is an Adolphi sax from the twenties sometime. Wow, wow, wow! So it's like a proto. Well, maybe not a prototype, but it's it's yeah. very early. That would be quite, um, you know, uh, arcane. I mean, for for the the difficulty of the Barry sax, uh, I've got the same thing, <clears throat> same situation. I've got a um, Busher from the nineteen late twenties, mm. and all the uh, thumb keys and uh, palm keys and those kind of slightly different angles that you need to master are very um well they're just hard to play i i, I think i I'd have to move up to something a bit more yeah you know, if you i was going to be really a, commit like top you know try, trying to, <laughs> to to get that i mean the sound is incredible yeah I mean, that's what i love like the sound. yeah the like, sound i've is, toyed yeah. with the idea of trying to get a bit more of a uh user friend more user-friendly one but yeah this well, one i got um uh, a guy who I used to have some lessons off, Jerry Harrison. Who's yeah, I heard about quite Jerry. Well known. Yeah, of course. Music education. Yeah. He was teaching in a school that was closing down, so they were they were getting rid of all these wow. instruments, and he pretty much stopped it from being chucked into a skip. Hello. And it didn't have a neck on it, oh. so the part that the mouthpiece connects to. So how did you get a, that so, sort? Well, he gave it. He, he said, "Just give us twenty quid for the school." And then it turned out that it's this Adolphi sax, which is like they're quite rare. Okay. And it turns out it's when Selma, like the for those that don't know, is like the go-to yeah. saxophone make and they, clarinet too. Yeah, they bought Adolphi sax. Okay. So and for a while they put the same horn out, but with a different name. What so a this great is like name! Really early. Eric Selma Adolphi. Sax. 
They should make a model called the Erica Dolphy. What about the? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, I had to get this, this neck made. But there's a, a, a there was a woodwind shop. I think it doesn't exist anymore in Bradford, and this guy made the neck. That's incredible. Because uh, so saxophones don't like foreign material, you know. In other words, to if you're uh, trying a new uh, what they call a crook uh, neck, yeah, um, it doesn't always work, does it? Yeah, something. I about, mean, tuning on it is a little bit. Sure, you know, you've got to work at it. But, well, it's this know, is incredible. I mean, the berry is uh, reason I I haven't done it or tried it yet, but I'd love to try the bass sax. Yeah, because there's so many great um, history of that with the uh, uh, 20s bands before the electric, uh, uh, <laughs> electric, the acoustic bass was really on the scene, yeah, and yeah. it was a bass sax or a tuba or a sousaphone, mm. and, and people often play double on all three, wouldn't they? The 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 bass players that that's what they did: bass, drums, uh, bass drum, bass, bass sax, and 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 tuba. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, can you imagine? They're so different, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But the sound of a bass sax, having played in bands with him, uh, it's got that kind of um, penetrating, sort of incisive quality to the sound, which is great for a bass hmm. because, you know, a lot of times you can't hear the bass enough if it's not amplified. Yeah. But the bass sax just it puts just paid carries, to that. It doesn't it? It, it's it doesn't a, have to be loud, but it, it does. It just, but you can hear the sounds, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a guy in uh, New York um, people know about worldwide called Vince Giordano who plays everything, yeah. uh, uh, not surprisingly, but especially tuba, bass, and bass sax, yeah. and electric bass if it's a, you know, like a right. really commercial type of thing. Because most of those bands, um, including ones here in the UK, to, to really survive, to keep on working, they they got to find a lot of those kind of, you know, private party gigs mm. and stuff. Not, He's not, like a not real just specialist in that music, amazing. isn't he? He's got a huge house, uh, which is the basement of which is full of charts. I mean, thousands and thousands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to play with this band, and it was extraordinary. I just loved hearing that bass sax, you know. And he, he probably has a, one instrument, of you know, one of everything, but he mm. never goes... He's a low guy yeah, yeah. in every sense. But, um, yeah, um, so... Now, I, I'd like to play another track, if that's okay, while we've been talking about this genre of music. Uh, <laughs> it's called Dawn of the Desert. Dawn on the Desert, yeah. Oh, Dawn on the Desert. This Charlie is, Shavers. is this Ellington? Oh, no. It's Charlie Shavers. Wow, Sydney's getting a good. No, Charlie Shavers. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. With yeah. the John Kirby. Oh, is it a six piece, isn't it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this oh, is the Jubilee Stompers. Can I just say, version. yeah, make sure we, uh, <laughs> uh, can I just say, uh, being a huge fan of John Kirby's Sextet, which was a short-lived ensemble, mm. a few years, the, the, the setup, yeah, the setup, the lineup was, uh, yeah, piano, bass, drums, John Kirby being the bassist and the leader. And the uh, lineup, if you like, um, uh, the horns were, Alto sax, clarinet, and trumpet. Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah, yeah. And that was Charlie Shavers on on uh, trumpet. Buster and, uh, Bailey. Buster Bailey, who's uh, on clarinet, was on clarinet. And then um, Horace. I don't know. Uh, no, no. It's uh, Russell Russell Procope. Pro- yeah, yeah. yeah. Procope. Here we go. Dawn on the desert. Yeah. One, two, three.
was pretty cool. Um, Dawn on the Desert by Charlie Shavers, recorded by the Jubilee Stompers. Um, can you tell us uh, what's coming up with the group? Any exciting news? Um, any exciting news? Uh, <laughs> we've got we play pretty much monthly at the Handyman's on Smithtown. Sure, know it well. Uh, apart from uh, what month are we? Uh, April, I think. April. Apart from this month, okay, because there's loads of football. But we've got two coming up in May. Oh, good, good. Okay, I think May the sixth. Okay, we'll, we'll announce them. But yeah, uh, yeah. next month. Um, and uh, you play the odd private party as well, or have you done private? Yeah, we um, we, we do a fair amount of that. Good. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the money's a bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, does the same apply for the tune steppers? terms of private dues as well as occasionally yeah clubs. Yeah, yeah 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 if people yeah. are asking we're <laughs> we're willing <laughs> yeah uh and in addition to the groups we we mentioned and heard um what else do you keep yourself busy with in terms of not so much gigs but other musical activities or hobbies or pastimes hobbies. Or, um well i do I play a lot of this kind of earlier jazz stuff, but uh, my main interest is more in kind of uh, freer, improvised sure. stuff, more cool. experimental stuff. I think we so might have a track or two. Yeah, there's Good. a few. Let's let's there. let's play them in a there's minute. There's one, um, a fairly recent. Well, I say recent. Um, I think we started before the pandemic as well, playing with a pianist, um, Jonathan Raisin. Okay. Of uh, wow, playing. He's based in Liverpool. He does a lot of like, theatre stuff. Um, but he's a great improvising sure, piano sure. player. Cool. And um, we have this project where we... The aim was to take traditional English folk tunes wow. and use them as means to improvise with, either play the tune or just sure. you know um, see what happens. But then we ended up playing a few other... Like We play a Swedish bagpipe tune hello yeah and wow. some spanish stuff and then a tune by keith tippett yeah yeah the late keith, keith tippett. tippett yeah pianist composer yeah yeah had a had a group called centipede mm. which was 50 uh musicians <laughs> um and it was called centipede because presumably uh each of the musicians had two legs or uh. at least two feet yeah hey that was in the 70s when you could name stuff like that you know <laughs> Yeah, big fan, big fan. And his wife, who survives him, is... Uh, is it Ju- Ju- Judy? Uh, yeah. yeah, Julie. Julie. Yeah, Julie Driscoll. She, her her husband, her first husband, was um, Brian Auger, who was a brilliant uh, organ player. Right. You might remember him. Um, yeah. And um, they performed together. But, um, I mean, this might be sort of a... Um, you know, uh, difficult to ask, answer question, but what would you say are the major differences in in doing those kind of extremes of music and, and uh, in terms of the way you approach the group, approach the composition, the way you approach the improvisation uh, in those, what would seem like quite different settings? Um. Ooh, <laughs> well, maybe it's a little bit awkward, but I'm just I thinking. I feel like it you have probably... to use, it, for me anyway, it's more 
not saying that in the more straighter jazz you don't listen because obviously you have yeah. to. But I think with the freer approach, it's it's more based on listening and feeling your way yeah. through it. I guess less I convention. I mean, I see them all kind of the same. Well, one could argue that pre-swing jazz, which is it's got all kinds of def- um, labels which aren't always the best. Uh, America, you know, call it Dixieland, which is a horrible word <laughs> because of the connotations of Dixieland. Yeah, right. But, but um, trad jazz, um, but in a way they, uh, with a three or four horn group, standard three or four horn lineup, trombone, clarinet, and trumpet, and maybe a, a sax or whatever, uh, um, were all kind of playing freely in a way. Yeah. Although the trumpet was generally given the, the sh- shouldering the melody, yeah. shouldering the response. It's all that collective improvising, yeah. isn't it? And if you listen to that and then listen to the likes of, I don't know, like, you know, Albert Isler or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. there's not much. I mean, there was a group, um, sadly many of them have passed on now, called the Chicago Art Ensemble, who were from uh, Tacoma. No, just kidding. Uh, they were all <laughs> Chicagoan musicians before they all ended up moving to New York. Uh, and um, it was very theatrical, very visual. Mm. And so was um, a lot of the uh, – they were kind of like the jazz equivalent of, um, you know, Parliament or Funkadelic, you know, when they get in these huge, loud, you know, extremely, um, you know, costumes with no volume control, you know. Uh, and they were borrowing a lot from that kind of pre-swing tradition uh, by all going their own way. But, of course, the trick with um, doing, in, you know, properly integrated, um, you know, pre-swing jazz is making it clear to the listener what was going on. Yeah. And if everyone's going mad at the same time, you yeah. can't really hear uh, the thread. So, so one of the ways to do that or to accomplish that is for the clarinet – um, role to be largely um, arpeggiated and ver- vertical, whereas a trumpet might be playing more linear, you know, mm. like uh, longer notes. And, and the trombone is in a good range, isn't it? So uh, not unlike Martin's uh, tenor horn. You know, you're like down there in the tenor sax, for, uh, so you can hear the distinct rev- registers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, they've got clear areas. Of yeah, the, so one doesn't sort of cover up the area yeah. if they're both two clarinets or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, do you do you um, do you find that in in the different settings you play in that you're playing for different audiences? And how, what's the kind yeah. of different? in the terms of the chemistry with the audience or the reception or any of those kind of factors? Um, well, I think, like, with the the more jazz-orientated stuff, it's a lot easier to digest. Yeah, you know, <laughs> more lot, accessible. You know, we, yeah, accessible, so we can play it in a lot more varied places. Okay, and, find, you know, find venues stuff. that'll yeah. have it, yeah. But you can still be as open and free with it as you want, but right. I guess there's more... Uh, you're always going to come back to the tune. <laughs> Eventually. Hopefully. What is it? I um, are you currently um, working or in touch with Peter? Um, sorry, guitarist. Guitarist, our friend. Phil Morton. Sorry, Phil Morton. Yeah. Philip, I, so, Philip Morton. Yes. 
Thank you. Can you update us on what he's up to? Um, he's always so he's kind of an improvising musician yeah. who's been around for yeah. centuries. Dark it seems. years. Yeah. He's done. He's put some incredible cool. people on uh, over the years, mainly at the Blue Coat. Okay. Um, this is years. Oh, the the arts center type place. Yeah. So sort of, I think that, I think from what he says, it's was more in the 90s, you know, yeah, sure. a, a lot of stuff. But he's we meet up every, generally every week really? for private sessions. Just to, to, just to, to play to. and, you know. Are you are you going together. to be uh, appearing at the uh, glorious uh, Princess Park again? Is there rumors of that? He's mentioned it, yeah. Okay, um, well, keep us posted. So some, when the weather's better, we often yeah, meet yeah. in there outside. It was sort of a summary type of thing, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, but it was always a little bit of a trick to find you there, didn't you? Like uh, <laughs> squirrel off in different uh, caverns and there was a particular spot because it was a bit off the beaten track. Okay, well, because you know, you don't presumably want to... we could hear you. It's not a huge park, is it? No. There, incidentally, on that note, um, there are quite a bit of busking in in um, both uh, Sefton uh, and uh, Princess Park, we which used are to do quite a lot with yeah during the. the Pandemic, you know, yeah, I remember you know, hearing you guys um, playing there in front of the Palm House or near, near the as well Which as is great um, as well because yeah. normally we're playing pubs and places like sure. that, but it really reached a whole different absolutely uh, type of person and you know audience and people came up saying, "Oh yeah, I'd never go to a pub yeah. or whatever to listen to it." But yeah, they don't people don't like pubs for whatever reasons, which, which is fair to yeah, and, and they're expensive. It's a shame, and, really. That yeah. The majority of the music does happen in those environments. Yeah, indoors. Some more like concert. In some of that context. Smaller concert. Well, the thing is, um, uh, my jazz workshop, uh, which um, starts playing, I think, I assume they'll start playing there in uh, May again on Saturday afternoons, which sometimes coincided around the same time that the Stompers played there. Mm. Um, uh, Although you probably won't be having a regular um, routine of it as maybe you had in the past mm. uh, in terms of other things going on. Yeah, probably not. Um, but, you never know. but yeah, I mean, you could burst into to, um, song at any given moment. Um, the jazz class I run at Penny Lane Jazz, um, it meets there um, on um, sun- Saturdays at one, 1 o'clock. In case you're in Sefton Park. N- usually yeah. near the... Um, there's a little center area you'll you'll remember. Nick uh, has a Italian named restaurant, you know, all paved over areas By like fountain. The, yeah, that's the best way to remember it. Uh, and then there's not far from there, short walk away is the Palm House. So if you're anywhere near that area, you'll probably hear some music when it gets a little bit warmer. Uh, do, do you find it different or more enjoyable to play at Princess instead, or? Um, it's a quite a different kind of park, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we, with Phil, we kind of did that because um, again, it was sort of towards the tail end of the pandemic stuff when. Yeah, so I remember it was more that. Of just a necessity, you play, know, to play, play place together, to play. We yeah. Go inside, so. Well, Phil does have a network um, called the Liverpool um, or Merseyside Improvisers or something. He's got some networks he's involved with, so we'll make sure we announce them at our next on our next show, because uh, people often don't know about his events only because, you know, they tend to be at um, uh, sort of a pub or somewhere in L1, don't they? 
Yeah, he, he puts on, uh, I think mitre it's a monthly, or something. Yeah, monthly. At yeah. the ship mitre upstairs. Yeah. Okay, we, we need to spread that word. I'll be playing there on the 20th of April with himself and a perfect um, synthesizer player from Oxford. Actually, we'll, we'll put that on Jazz Cavern Facebook page. Mm. You, anyone's avail, uh, available, welcome to post a gig on the Jazz Cavern. And believe it or not, in the millions and billions of uh, Facebook pages, there's only one called the Jazz Cavern. Now, wow. what are the chances of that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you have something coming up and, um, feel free to post it on our, on our page. Uh, and hopefully the, one of the 13 or 14 people that look at the page will see it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, I think it's up to 20 now, but, um, that's pretty cool. The 20th, where is the venue again? Please? Uh, the upstairs okay. at the ship and mitre. And that'll be, um... Upstairs. Yeah, they have a room. <laughs> no, no, because a lot of places do have rooms upstairs or downstairs, yeah, yeah, and that's why I always mention it, because a lot of people aren't um, that keen on uh, venues. You know, the, the punters aren't always keen to hear live music, whatever it is. You know, so if you have a separate Especially room. Especially what we'll be doing then. Well, <laughs> let's get in a track, uh, because we're going to have to wind down in a minute. Could you suggest a track that's a little bit more weird and wonderful? Weird and wonderful. Um, there's... Uh, we can we can fade it out if it goes on too long. There's the one um, a track on there from the album I recorded with Jonathan Raisin. So okay, good. Let's do it. Round about a folk. That, that's a good. That's cruel mother. <laughs> the album is yet to be released. Here we go. Sorry. Okay. This is Nick Brenton with Jonathan Raisin, and. Uh, song called Cruel Mother. Yeah, The Cruel Mother. Okay, here it is.
Wow. Nick, tell us. <laughs> tell us the name of the song and yeah. what it's, how did it develop and all that sort of stuff. So it was based on, well, we actually played it at the end, The Cruel Mother, which is a traditional English folk song. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, do you know who wrote it or anything like that? I have no idea. Yeah. I probably should. Anonymous, yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Ancient yeah. song. Something like that. Sure. <laughs> Well, I, I would say that uh, you took it somewhere <laughs> that the um, whoever Andy Anonymous is uh, probably had no expectation. <laughs> and um, are are you and uh, Jonathan? Are you and Jonathan performing at all, or do you have any Ooh, showcases or recordings? Got anything booked in? Okay. As of yet, it's quite difficult finding venues with pianos. Suitable, suitable ones. Anyway. Impossible. I Although mean, you told uh, me about that church. Yeah, there's a few churches. Yeah. Um, one of which uh, you kindly invite and uh, introduced me to, called the Ullet Road Church, which has not one but two pianos. Mm. Yeah, and my saxophone quartet, Saxtivity, is performing there on the June 25th, mm-hmm. and we're uh, <laughs> we're not using a piano, obviously, but I have checked out the white steam piano in the hall and it's not bad it's mm. playable and then of course they get a grand don't they in the uh, in the church itself yeah so there's a church hall which is not the church it's a hall yeah. I know it's a little confusing um, uh, uh, any upcoming gigs there by the way your projects with different folky bands you play with um, so there is a sort of a collective that have been put sure. on sort yeah. of Quarterly month, uh, there, so uh, quarterly uh, things. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, and the nights go under the name of "Isn't it good to be lost in the wood?" Okay, well, let's um, and make sure you share that one, with us. It's not confirmed yet, but there will hopefully be one coming up. Well, let, let us know. <laughs> no, no, I understand. You know, you you can only do so much in terms of promotion and finding yeah. finding the. Um, the um, opportunities uh, to perform at such different kinds of venues. Mm. Now, we're v- all lucky. Um, y- um, we all, well, many of the guests, but musicians we work with live in southish Liverpool, don't we? So, um, so there, we're aware of the wealth of venues mm. that um, yeah, yeah. In- include much more than nightclubs and, um, and pubs. And I think it's incumbent upon us to uh, uh, do more and more um, non-clubby. Yeah, it's just down to us to. Uh, I know that's it's, it's not easy. <laughs> that's always the tricky part. <laughs> but as far as um, you know, uh, the the options available, um, the Ullet Road Church on Ullet Road. It's also known as the Unitarian Church, by the way. Okay. Um, they do have uh, great options for the performers in as much as they pay a fee, you know, to, to, to rent the venue. And uh, actually the greater part of the fee is to pay the caretaker, you know, the, the boss, you know, the one that's looking after the venue for the night. Okay, so you f- figure that one out. But then you can um, run a bar and do do uh, different things to raise money. And, yeah, yeah. And have you found that um, fairly successful? It's, it's been working so far, yeah. We've managed to pay the bands. Good. And, yeah. 
it, they've been pretty successful. Now. You've had some big groups. I mean, uh, lots of different, you know, it's uh, been, one or two, three. The whole point of it is to try and have it, you know, like music from non-mainstream stuff, I guess. Sure. Things that don't really have their own kind of... Uh, uh, Just uh, thanking Nick oh. Branton. We got to close up in a minute. Very much, very very good session, Nick. Uh, we'll have to have you on longer next time. <laughs> it just goes by quickly, doesn't it? it? Does, yeah. And we heard a nice sort of mix of. Um, we just tipped the iceberg of your output, but what a great um, opportunity to get the ball rolling, and we'll do it again. Yeah, thanks. And for uh, that. we we're having um, Nick's playing on Sunday at the Casimir Gardens at 7 p.m. And uh, Friday at the Liverpool Gin Distillery, same time, same time. Uh, and uh, the 20th of this month at the uh, Ship and Miner. Yeah. But we'll keep you posted on other Nick gigs uh, and other gigs, too. We'll see you, uh, rather regular listeners, we'll see you again on, I believe it's the 2nd of May. It's hard to remember all these days, May, isn't it? That's in that silly time in May, isn't it? going to be all these coronations and all sorts of stuff but thank you for listening to Jazz Cameron and we'll see you next time all the best kids Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.